Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Power Up and Game. I'm your host, Michael, and joining me, as always, is my main man, Taylor. Taylor, how you doing, buddy? I'm so tired. So Really? You're tired. not excited this time? Oh my goodness, it, it must be bad. I'm so tired of talking about Xbox. <laughs> Look, I'm an Xbox guy, alright? I think they're a great brand, but over the past month or so, God, all we've talked about is either Starfield or Xbox stuff. And granted, I want to talk more Starfield. That's why I have it in our outline here today. But, man, just talking about the Xbox brand and then the whole Activision Blizzard, FTC. It's just every few weeks something happens. Granted, this one, it's interesting. I'll give it that. But, uh, yeah, you saw the title, people. We're going to be talking about those Xbox leaks. Yeah, um, this one, yeah, man, this, this, this is going to be something. But before we do that, how about we just go ahead and talk about our, what's on our docket for today. On our docket, the Division 3 has finally been announced. Death Space co-creator Glenn Schofield leaves Striking Distance Studios. Starfield hits 10 million players and it has become the biggest launch in Bethesda history. And as for our main topics, as we spoke of just before... Taylor has about a 10-minute monologue about these Xbox leaks. So, let's go ahead and get into it. Taylor, how about go ahead and take it away, buddy? Usually I say don't mind if I do, but I kind of mind. All right, this is going to (laughs) be... I'm sorry, people. If you don't like my voice, you're not going to like the next 10 minutes. This is going to be a long write-up. Okay, okay, but Taylor, look on the bright side. Spider-Man 2 is coming up soon, and we'll be able to gush about that. That and Alan Wake too. Okay, you know what? And, You're and right. Alan You're Wake right. Too. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Even these leaks, like it does suck for the employees and everything. But in terms of us making entertainment out of it and us having some positivity, I think we could do it. Let's do it, man. I- I'm excited now. You got me pumped. All right, let's do this. Disclaimer. Real quick, we just want to say that you can find sources for all the topics we're going over today down in the description of this episode. We do that to give out proper credit. And if anyone wants to read further about the topics we cover. Also, it's very important to note that you should take rumors or reports we cover with a grain of salt until they are officially confirmed or denied. Of course, some reports and rumors will be much more reliable, but nothing is 100% in the gaming industry until it is properly announced. And sometimes, even then, it might get canned in the future. With that disclaimer out of the way, here is our main topic of the week. Unless you have been living under a rock, you've probably heard about these Xbox leaks. To keep it short, the whole situation stemmed from the ongoing Microsoft Activision Blizzard FTC ordeal. And again, to keep this as short and simple as possible, the leaks came from a colossal mishap from Microsoft's end where they accidentally made the documents publicly available. So here we are. We got some leaks to get into. And let's start with a new controller. Codenamed Cybel, this controller will allegedly feature a rechargeable and swappable battery, new modular thumbsticks, improved longevity, the ability to simply lift the controller to turn it on, quieter buttons and thumbsticks, haptic feedback, direct-to-cloud and Bluetooth 5.2 support, Supposedly, it's coming in late May 2024 for $70, and it also has many more features that I'm sure we'll get into later. Next up on the list of notable leaks, 
we have a mid-gen console refresh for the Xbox Series X. Here are the bullet points on that. It is priced at $499. It has a two terabyte internal storage. It is a all digital console, meaning no disk drive, and more features that I'm sure we'll get into later. I'm sorry for repeating that line and going so quickly through all this, just trying to get the bare bones basic info out there so we can talk about it because we're not trying to be here for two hours. Uh, there was also a document sharing the desired release windows for upcoming games. Now, <laughs> this document was clearly out of date because for starters, both Redfall and Starfield were scheduled for 2021 releases. However, there are some interesting nuggets of potential information in the document. There are remasters for both Elder Scrolls Oblivion and Fallout 3. Along with this, the Indiana Jones game was scheduled for 2022, a year after Starfield's original window. We haven't heard much about the Indiana Jones game, so that could be either a sign that it's still a ways away, or Bethesda could be pulling their usual keep everything tight to the vest until we're months away from release approach that they are known to do. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Like, Indiana Jones might be a little closer than we thought based on that release window. Um, there was also Elder Scrolls 6. I don't know if you saw that in the release window timing. I think it was like 2024, 2025 originally. Now, in, in their defense, it was physical year. Yeah. So it, it could have uh, gone to the next... The, the, the following year, but still, the point is, even then, uh, that, it's that's the next fiscal. It's the fiscal year, is what it is. It's not yeah, the yeah. actual January to December time frame. Um, and what has to be the most hilarious part of these leaks, regardless of how you feel about it realistically, uh, it's probably the news that Microsoft was interested in purchasing another major studio back in 2020, multiple, in fact. Uh, as we know, Microsoft will most likely end up with Activision Blizzard, and they have ZeniMax, Bethesda, under their umbrella now. But in, 20, in a 2020 email, it was revealed that Microsoft was interested in acquiring both Warner Brothers Interactive and Nintendo. Now, with that said, uh, the whole thing with Nintendo, that was kind of a known unknown because it was just rumored. It was just like... There was, there, uh, it was through the grapevine. Nobody really knew. Uh, but apparently Microsoft did uh, approach Nintendo way back when. I think back in the 360 or probably even the original Xbox days. And Microsoft wanted to buy out Nintendo. And apparently they got laughed out of the office, so out of the meeting. So it seems they, uh, they maybe Microsoft never forgot that. And they, and they still have an interest in uh, acquiring Nintendo. Who wouldn't, though? You know what? Let's save our thoughts on that, okay? I don't want to get in too much. Sorry to interrupt you there. Please continue. No, no, no. I was actually almost done. I was saying, like, it goes to show you that maybe some of those rumors uh, really were true. Uh, it was never confirmed if Microsoft tried to buy Nintendo. But with these documents, um, maybe it's something they held on to and plan has been planning for decades now. Yeah, it seems like it was a big deal for Phil Spencer. and. Again, again, who wouldn't? Like, that is kind of a... Yeah, anybody would really want that brand there. But speaking of insane ambitions, let's talk about the next generation of consoles for Xbox. A sentence that makes me a bit bummed out 
since we are still at the beginning of this generation of consoles. Anyway, the next generation of consoles, at least from Xbox's end, is supposedly scheduled for 2028. To be fair, this is not new news, as we have actually talked about this specific topic before. However, there is a lot to get into when it comes to the next Xbox console. Here's an excerpt from Steven Totilo over at Axios on the matter. His write-up for this was excellent, so I figured I'd just read directly from that. And here it is, quote, Microsoft's next console after the Xbox Series X and S would represent not just a new device, but a new ecosystem generation. Executives outlined a plan in another leaked slide deck from May 2022. Console generations usually just involve a new offering of one or two models of a new powerful piece of gaming hardware. The leaked presentation on Microsoft's so-called Gen 10 offering included consoles, phones, web browsers, a handheld system, PCs, and a cloud console with a shared operating system available across devices. According to the presentation, Microsoft had already selected ARM64 architecture for the core device's CPU. The company expected to deliver development kits to game creators by 2027 ahead of a 2028 launch. The presentation listed dozens of potentially supported features, including standard elements like voice chat and player achievements, as well as novel support for crypto wallets. The report states that the next-gen Xbox platform would also support AI and machine learning to attain super-resolution game graphics, listed as an established uh, project in Microsoft Gaming. Frame rate improvements, extra game testing, character dialogue generation, and more, end quote. And I actually want to close out this write-up with another excerpt from that Axios article. Quote, Be smart, as dazzling as Microsoft's plans may be, all of the documents are just old enough that Microsoft's plans could have changed. End quote. I couldn't have said that better myself. Uh, Michael, there's a lot to get into. Let's take it leak by leak here. Alright, I think that's the best way we can do it. Let's start with the controller. I don't think we're going to have a whole lot to say about everything. That's why I don't think we're going to be here all day. Some things, okay. like the game releases, is kind of like a, hey, that's cool, the remasters, but everything else seems like it's out of place, so there's not much to really get into. Yeah, mind you, these things probably happened around or before COVID, so, you know, they probably had plans for these kind of things, and, you know, it gets pushed back all the time. Yeah. But one thing that does seem to be... uh I don't want to say 100%, but one of the more promising leaks, I would say, is the controller, Cybel. What are your thoughts on this controller? I think it's a really good idea. I, it's kind of I a, think it's really cool. After hearing Phil Spencer talk about the PS5 controller in the past, and by the way, oh, yeah. I didn't mention this in the excerpt, Phil Spencer did have a statement about the leaks, pretty much saying like it, does, it sucks that all of our work and stuff is getting leaked out. And uh, basically, I don't want to put words on his mouth, but basically it was the, hey, plans can change. Don't take these leaks as 100% fact, which is very accurate. And it's what Phil Spencer should have done in this situation. Uh, but as you were saying, the controller looks really cool. 
I think the controller looks cool. Uh, I know people are like, it looks like the PS5 controllers. Like, come on, stop it. It look honestly, it kind of looks like uh like like a third party kind of controller. <laughs> like when uh, Matt Cassie's make controllers. Like I was like, if if you would have shown me that controller, like, oh, this one's coming soon. I would have been like, oh, it's a new scuff controller or something. Like, I wouldn't think it was an official Microsoft uh, Bat controller. I think it looks cool. I don't really understand why they decided to put Gyro into the, uh, or I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, I don't know why they put a Gyro sensor in there. It makes no sense to me. I thought we were past that with the PS3 controller and the Wii controller. Um, so that's going to be confusing to me. I like that's going to have haptic feedback. That's one of my favorite things about the PS5 controller. Uh, across also being able to record this podcast with it. Ayo! So, yeah, I think it's kind of cool. <laughs> For people who don't cool. know, Michael actually records this podcast because we are just a bootleg operation over here. <laughs> he records this podcast with a PlayStation 5 controller. So, do with that information whatever you want with it. So. Yeah, in the future, if Sable is uh, just as great as a PS5 controller, I've been using that. So, so who knows? Um, and I'm glad they're not making it a hundred plus dollar controller. It seems like they are going to make it the regular sixty-five, seventy dollar controller, which yeah. I find to be awesome because you're putting more tech into it, but you're keeping it at the same price. Uh, so I like that. I also uh, noticed that they had another controller up there. They had the base, uh, the Pro, and the Elite. So I'm guessing Sybil's going to go as their Pro controller. Uh, which I find kind of interesting, which means now you're going to have three different sets of uh, Xbox Series X and S controllers to choose from. Although what makes Sybil different from the others, and this is why I'm surprised that they're still making it $65, $70, is that they're making it to where it's not just for Xbox. It's for Xbox. It's for your smart TV. It's for your phone. It's for your PC. Uh, and it's for future cloud services that they're working on. So they're making this their all-around controller, and I find that very interesting. And that's and that's what really caught my eye uh, with this controller is that they're they're making it their all-in-one controller. This is what you want to use when you're playing X Cloud, when you're playing Xbox, when you're playing Game Pass. Uh, so I, I, I'm interested in seeing what they actually do with that, and if they're gonna like they're gonna do a thing to where if you buy this controller, you get like a month or something of Game Pass for free. I agree with you. I think this controller is one of the best leaks that have come out about it. And it's one of the things I'm most excited about to see if it is true or not. Because there's a lot of things like the modular thumbsticks, a rechargeable swappable battery, the haptic feedback, of course. That's probably the number one thing for me. The $7 price point sounds pretty good, too. Bluetooth support, direct to cloud, that's cool. Quieter buttons and thumbsticks, also awesome. The thing that like is cool on paper, but I don't think I would ever use it, is the ability to lift the controller and turn it on. I kind of see where they're going with that. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, you, you move your controller around a lot, but being able to pick it up and automatically turns on, it sounds cool if you only have the controller in one place. But if this is supposed to be their all-around controller, you're obviously picking it up, you're moving around, you're going. Uh, so yeah, that would be kind of yeah, that would be kind of annoying because uh, you pick up your controller because the controls they turn on the console. So <laughs> I'm sure you could turn that feature on and off. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure that'll be a thing. Like you can turn it on and off. But all in all, man, I think this is if this ends up being a true leak and this is still in play, it's still in play for Xbox in the it seems near future for them. Then I think this is a win. I think it's a really good controller and they've really needed something like this. 
Mm. And I noticed that they also had on there that there's quieter buttons and stick movement, which yep. I find kind of strange. Yeah. That seems pretty good. So I'm excited yeah. about this one. Now, moving on to the refresh for the Series X, this was one that I just didn't really have any strong opinions about. Like, a lot of it made sense, all right? Same price, increased storage, no disk drive, and while I, I know, Michael, you're a physical game guy. I'm not, personally. So, even just knowing, like, yeah, people love physical games and stuff like that, there is a trend, and I can see the analytics to where people aren't using discs as much, and there is a market out there for discless consoles. I don't know if mm-hmm. that means Xbox is going away with it from now on. I doubt that's what they're doing. I think it's just a console refresh idea to be like, hey, about midway through our console generation, let's throw this one out there. I think it's a good idea. It's just I'm not that interested in it because I already got my Series X and I think I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Um, I I know they're doing this whole thing to where like, hey, we're going to do two different bundles, one that's less powerful and less expensive when it's more powerful, more expensive. Uh, and I think this is their way to get people who want the Series X, but will go all digital. Uh, and with them not having the hard drive, I mean, the uh, the uh, disk drive in there, that does leave a little bit of room. So I guess they could put in... I was about to say, drive. it's got one hell of a hard drive compared to yeah. the Series X. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah, uh, yeah, the two terabyte alleged. Uh, well, it was in there. It was in their official. I know. I'm uh, just throwing it out document. there facetiously. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, they're going, they're going to do a two terabyte SSD. Uh, I, I think this is for people who want the Series X but want digital, and it would be more attractive to them because it does have technically two times the uh the uh, the memory uh the uh the drive in there so it's like okay yeah why would i want to get the series x when i get the series s pro or whatever uh or the series x digital but me yeah i do buy games digitally but when you have something cool like a cool physical uh version of the game i am definitely going out there and i'm getting it that's why i got the series x mostly uh because it still had the uh physical drive in there uh i think it's a cool idea I I I do I know people hate it, but I like the way the PS5 did it. To where, hey, you're gonna have the same console, the same powerful console, one with the disc drive, one without. And I thought that was a great move by them. Uh, and I I wanted to see that with Xbox, so I kind of like the idea of a Series X all digital edition. Yeah, especially since what they found out like seventy percent of Series owners are Series S uh, players. Damn, really. Is that real? You need to send me that statistic. I, I want. Yeah, that's a, that's 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 uh, according to uh, Xbox's own uh, st- uh, statistics. Send that over to me. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll 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 look it up and I'll find it. Talking about the next generation of consoles again, a sentence that just makes me really sad. <laughs> what are your thoughts on what has been talked about for the next generation of consoles here? It's a lot. Like, don't get me wrong. I say all that, and I don't necessarily want to fully get into a console coming out in probably 2028. <laughs> but at the same time, you look at the stuff that was talked about, and man, it is very ambitious. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just like, all right, Xbox, I'm a, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let you cook on that. 
Well, let's see what you can come up with over the next few years. Yeah, and, and here's the thing with that. I was I was the same way. I was like, 2028, that seems too soon. But we got to remember, man, these consoles came out like 2020, 2021. So that's almost a 10-year deal already. It's just like, oh my goodness, these consoles have been out for two, three years. So it makes sense that they would come out in like 2027, 2028. Uh, so I was like, gosh, dog, it just feels way too soon. soon it feels way too fast. And I think yeah. that goes to show uh, that these consoles are getting to the point to where they can't sustain themselves for 10 plus years. So, so yeah, so when you and I hear about mid-gen, we feel like we just got these consoles, but they've been here for a little while. And it just, man, it feels way too fast already. Not only that, it's the thing where the Series X and the PS5, you're right, like, we're a few years into it, but it feels like we're just now getting to the point with both consoles to where the developers and the publisher, both platforms, can actually go all in with it. Yeah. A lot of games. Now, some games are still staying with the Xbox One and PS4, Call of Duties and the sports games and what have you, but there's also a lot of games, case in point, Starfield, that was a next-gen release, and that was it, and also released on PC. And you're going to see that with PlayStation. PlayStation's already had a few that were only PS5. So it feels like we're finally getting into that. At the same time, you're hearing this, like, all right, the next generation of consoles. So in your mind, you're just like, man, we just got started, though. Like, now it's starting to get good. Why do we want to talk about what's next? But I get it. Yeah. I, I get it. You got to plan out for the future, years ahead, and to talk about the specifics, what are your thoughts on some of the stuff that was talked about in this leak? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing solid. It's all planning. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to focus on uh, better ray tracing, special audio, uh, AI learning, just like with uh, NVIDIA DLSS, uh, they're using AMD's FSR uh, technology. Uh, so it really came down to, for me, it's like, oh, we're doing a lot of research and development uh, to bring these things that are already part of the PC community, what, since before even the uh, RTX 30 series? Uh, they were playing around with these kind of ideas for a while now. Uh, DirectX 12, which is a Microsoft uh, uh, proprietary thing, it does ray tracing. You know, that's part of the uh, Series X and S uh Operation systems, you know, they run on DirectX 12. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it, it really more comes down to them not making a better console to make games look better or play better, uh, per se, like, uh, not, like graphically, but to bring the tech that we have already with PC uh, up to snuff on console to where we will have uh, better ray tracing to where it doesn't dump down to 30 frames per second where developers have an easier time getting to a, a 4k uh native resolution and i think that's what the next generation of consoles is going to bring more than just oh man look at this we can make games look like movies now it's like ah, well yeah but what's really going to bring these things out is the lighting uh and i think they're just trying to figure out how to make these things more accessible for developers so i see the next generation of consoles as more a developer thing than a consumer thing. Let's go ahead and move on to our other stories of the week. Michael, you want to take this one? Ah, uh, yes. Now that we are somewhat done talking about Xbox, at least for now, let's move on to a game that will eventually end up being on Xbox anyway. 
Division 3 has finally been announced. Julian oh man, Garrity, I hope I said that right, returning to the franchise. Ubisoft announced the news themselves saying Julian Garrity is returning to the brand he helped usher into the world. Garrity has been appointed executive producer for the Division brand and will make the move once Star Wars Outlaws, a game he is currently overseeing as creative director, has shipped. Garrity is excited to return. I'm sorry. Garrett is excited to return to the division before he joined Tom Clancy's division team as associate creative director in 2014. So many different ways to just call somebody a director. He remembers seeing the promise in its first reveal at E3 2013. Oh my goodness, we could talk about that one. Uh, I remember the gameplay promise, the co-op, PvP, the open world RPG aspects. Its world seemed very relatable and very realistic, like you could really be an agent for change within it, end quote. After joining the team at Massive Entertainment, a Ubisoft studio, and shipping the original in 2016, Garrity moved to Tom Clancy's Division 2 as creative director, where he and his team crafted a new adventure in the summertime streets of Washington, D.C. Now he's setting his sights on Tom Clancy's Division 3 as well as a plethora of other projects set in a Division universe, including the mobile game Tom Clancy's The Division Resurgence and the survival action shooter Tom Clancy's The Division Heartland. A core focus of Garrity is to build a team for Tom Clancy's The Division 3, which will be led by Massive Entertainment while making sure that Tom Clancy's The Division 2 remains well supported. Outside of that, his attention will be on the solidification solidification of brand identity all right taylor you're a fan of the division franchise what are your thoughts for this one i'm intrigued i'm wondering if this is going to be ubisoft just going with hey let's make a sequel to the division 2 or are you going to go back to that original promise for the division and with the division 3 with the creative director coming back which granted what you just read out, he was involved with the division two as well. Um, what are we going to do for a creative vision here? That's what I'm very interested in. Are you going to just do more of the same? Which is, I, I'm a fan of the division franchise. I think it's fun. I think it's a very fun gameplay loop. But there's something about the original promise that the division had that maybe back when was the game revealed? 2015. Well, the initial, like you said, it was like 2013, but like yeah. when we, our actual look, I think, was a couple of years later. Yeah, when the game was first announced and first shown off, maybe it was too soon for a lot of the stuff that Ubisoft wanted to do with it. But now, I think you can. Yeah, but you also gotta remember, uh, back in the day, Ubisoft had this real issue with bullshotting some of their yes. Uh, games. Yes, they did. They're like... It's like, oh no, this is these are this is what we're working on. This is what we're working towards. It's like, okay, but is that the game? It's a reputation I still struggle with today. Because people will watch yeah. hell, look at Star Wars Outlaws. Star Wars Outlaws, they had that demo and people are going, Okay, let's hope all this is real. Yeah, even I had a hard time believing that it was a real deal. I was like, eh, uh, I mean it looks too fluid, it looks too good for Ubisoft, for even a Ubisoft game. Uh so yeah. Especially for anybody who remembers what really set uh, what Ubisoft up with the bull shots was the reveal of uh, Watch Dogs. 
Yeah, it's the division and watchdogs. That was the main yep. two that really kicked all that off. Yeah, those two is what really killed any hype for uh for a lot of people. For a lot of people for a Ubisoft game was like, yeah, when I see the game, not a trailer, but the actual game, then I'll believe it. So what are your thoughts on uh Garrity coming back? For uh, and also by the way, th- this has kind of got buried in their announcement here. That Garrity was coming back. The Division 3 is happening. Like, that's the big thing. And they just buried it in there. Because I think even they know. It's just like, yep, it's a thing that we're doing. Yeah, we're not ready to talk about it because we're still we're still, we're still supporting uh, Division 2 at all this time. And I think fans are probably like, well, what's going on with Division 2? What are the events? You know, how's this, how is doing Division, how's doing the Division 3 going to affect support that you guys have been doing? for this particular franchise uh and you know that's actually a good thing to ask because because ubisoft has done a great job with supporting these live service games i will give them that so i i I, if i was a fan of this franchise i would i too would be curious if you're just gonna drop division two the way you did division one or if i can continue to get support that i expect from you now for division two uh, and they say that yeah we're going to keep supporting division two while we're developing three so it's like well we'll see uh but me personally i'm not excited i was never really a fan of division uh i found it to be very lackluster myself let me ask you this michael if garrity comes in and basically is like all right you know we did what we could with the division one and two Highly successful, which, regardless of how you feel about them, pretty highly successful as games. Mm-hmm. Did a really good job. But you know what? Let's go back to that original promise we did for The Division. Let's do that for The Division 3. Let's go back to New York. Or let's go to another... Clo- like One of the things I loved about Division 1, too, was the... I don't want to say claustrophobic. That's what I was about to say. But uh, I would more so just say the atmosphere. Of it, there was just something so it had, it had good. At, it. it had a good atmosphere. I will do yeah. that. So, if the division three goes back to that original promise and goes back to that atmosphere, it doesn't have to be New York, but just a similar atmosphere, would you be on board? I did find the original idea, the concept, uh, to be kind of cool. I would give it a shot. I, I would give it a second look, and I would give it a shot. If people don't know, the original promise of the division was not completely dissimilar to what we got. It was just it seemed more seamless. Yeah, it was know? more social, more seamless. Uh, there, it, it was supposed to be like this huge hub to where you could go through multiple boroughs of New York City, uh, and of course that got, as you can tell, like um, as you probably know, uh, got toned down severely. Uh, so with the next gen consoles, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, I think they might be able to come close to that original concept. But again, it's Ubisoft, so you know you take it with a grain of salt whenever they say anything until you <laughs> legitimately see gameplay and people actually got. No, I was about to say not even when you see game, when you get to play the game. Yeah, <laughs> for Ubisoft, believe playing is believing. Well, you ready to talk about our next story? This one's a bit unfortunate. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and talk about this one. Uh, we we talked about one creator coming back, and now 
we're going to have to talk about one creator leaving the studio he started up. Glenn Schofield leaves the Callisto Protocol Striking Distance Studios. At first reported uh, by Bloomberg and later IGN, Glenn Schofield is leaving Striking Distance Studios, the developer behind the Callisto Protocol. In a statement, Schofield said, quote, Creating Striking Distance Studio has been an incredibly journey, and I am so proud of what we've achieved with the Callisto Protocol, a game close to my heart. While pursuing a new adventure is exciting, leaving SDS is bittersweet, but I know the studio is in excellent hands, end quote. The Callisto Protocol missed the mark in terms of sales and reception. The studio also recently laid off more than 30 employees in an effort to realign the studio's priorities to better position its current and, fur- and future projects for success. That was a direct quote, by the way. Just wanted to throw uh, that out there. Ah, uh, yes. Sorry. And... Uh, one of our recent episodes, uh, you and I talked about how the gaming industry is not uh, a stable one. And as always, we hope everyone who loses their jobs uh, lands on their feet. Uh, with Showfield, it's wild to just see what was once a highly anticipated game end up being a lackluster release that has led to everything uh, I just talked about. Uh, so, Taylor, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Because uh, you were somewhat... Uh, hopeful for uh, the studio, right? I was hopeful for the Callisto Protocol, and it, it it does suck to see that. I don't think the game was. I never played it, so I'm just looking at the reception. I don't think the game was received poorly. The problem was is it was just received as meh, like just yeah. completely average cross the board kind of no I won't say cross the board. There were a few really good reviews and some poor reviews, I'm sure, but it seems like the general reception was just yeah, it's it's there. And man, they put everything they could into this game. Like they thought it was gonna be a home run hit. And it just wasn't. Hey, will you bring back the original creator of a very influential uh video game series? Yeah, everybody, it, it makes sense that everybody would have, like, high hopes for it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. It was, it was just man for a lot of people. And it doesn't help that EA was slick and released <laughs> uh, the original Space game. Yeah. yeah they re- which had they, a very re- good reception. Which, oh, my goodness. Uh, even with some of the changes that they made. We know gamers don't really like changes to some of their nostalgia. But... You know, the uh, quality of life changes that they made with that game was so well received that it was almost unprecedented as, uh, with how well people took to uh, the remake. So to see the original co-creator kind of, I hate to say it, but flounder, it's very strange to see. Yeah, and just to talk about the people real quick, with Schofield, I don't know what he's going to end up doing in the future. It's, again, one of those things to where it was very clear that this was going to be their first game. It was going to be the home run hit that they needed. It was going to get them off to a right start. All the good stuff ended up not being any of those things. Schofield's now left. And now you recently that it came out saying that over 30 employees were laid off, which is, as you said, it's just one of those things that, you hope everybody who loses their job lands on their feet. That's the only thing we could say there. Um, but yeah, it's just, it sucks to see. Especially a new studio. 
And it shows exactly what you said earlier, too. Like, how unstable the gaming industry is. Yep. Well, there's no real transition we can have to this last story. Because we just went from... We went from some leaks to, hey, this Division 3 guy announced to, yeah, 30 people lost their jobs and Glenn Schofield left the studio and there's so much uncertainty there. And now we're closing out the show with this very positive story. So there's no real transition to it, but Michael, you want to tell the people our last story here? Yeah, sure. Thing. Hey, you can't say this show isn't a roller coaster. You never know. It's a, yeah, it's a roller next. coaster, all right? <laughs> a good one, a bad one, who knows? We got the good, the bad, and the ugly in our shows. Let's go. Uh, but with that said, yes, let's end this on a good note. Starfield hits 10 million players, becoming the biggest launch in Bethesda history. There's not much to add here, Taylor. Uh, Bethesda announced this ad, uh, ad this on their good old socials. So, are you at all surprised by this? Are you surprised by the 10 million players? Especially since Thing is on Game Pass. And not to mention, a good chunk of those 10 million sales are actually purchases. Despite the point that people would say that because of Game Pass, uh, Xbox players don't buy games. Well, apparently they bought this one. Yeah, it's one of those things to where... A month before release, well, I won't say about a month, right? That's when the hype really ramped up for Starfield. It really kicked up, yeah. Because I, I think, like us, everybody was skeptical. Yeah, so I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised in the slightest that this, at least the player count and the sales are that good. Because this was something that I think people are going to, like, it was the curiosity of it. Mm-hmm. First new Bethesda IP in 20-something years. I think it's 25 years. Mm-hmm. There's so much hype around it. It's a space adventure. And yeah. this game is pretty divisive, to be fair. But at the same time, <laughs> it's hard to look at this game and say anything other than, man, this is a win for Bethesda and for Xbox. Because Xbox, need, especially after Redfall. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially for Xbox after Redfall and for Bethesda after Redfall. Towards Bethesda's been, uh, Pete Hines has talked about, like, hey, we're not giving up on Redfall. So now you got Starfield having all this success, and you can go back to Redfall and be like, all right, they didn't work when we launched it. We can fix it. All right, we can fix this. So you got a little bit of breathing room if you're Bethesda, and especially if you're Xbox, because this is something that's been years in the making for them. They wanted Halo Infinite to be this, it really wasn't. They want Gear Five, Gears Five to be that. It's really not. Yeah, like this to me is the biggest exclusive to the Microsoft brand. <sighs> How long you want to say? Uh, since Halo Three, to be honest. That is a long time. Like, I'm not sure it, I would go is. that far back, but I would go pretty far back. Yeah, what was the last game that people like truly hyped for? Like the Xbox fans themselves, like that they were truly hyped for. I was really hyped for Halo 5. Well, I mean, yeah, I, w- I, I was too, yeah. Guardians, just for it to be like such a damn letdown, but yeah, okay. Its story was so freaking short. Like, <laughs> not to get on a, gear, on a Halo 5 rant here, but I know a lot of people don't like the story. I actually enjoyed the story. The problem with the story is it's so fucking short. And so as soon as the game gets going, you're like, all right, let's get, we're, all right, I'm feeling this game. It's like, oh, it's over. 
Uh. Yeah, with one of the worst <laughs> cliffhangers in Halo history. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Shit, man. All right. I, I don't even want to play the next one, to be honest with you. That was just a, just a <laughs> terrible experience right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think one of the problems that Guardians had was uh, it didn't seem like they that even 3 for 3 didn't know they were going with the story. So it's kind of weird. Uh, so, yeah, for them to go from that to Redfall, it really made you question if, like, the future of Xbox had a future, you know? From Xbox uh, going from those kind of releases, the Gears 5, the Halo 5, to now... Well, granted, Gears 5 is actually a really good game. I just think in terms of success, it didn't fully reach the yeah. levels that we're seeing now with Starfield. So it feels bad to put Gears 5 in that category. Maybe Gears 4. Well, especially I, oh, de- definitely yeah gears, gears 4. 4 and halo 5 i feel, feel like that's more appropriate so from going to gears 4 halo 5 to seeing redfall which was a really down note i see where you're going with this like it seems like morale if you're an xbox person you're like ah are we ever going to get good games on this platform <laughs> it's, yeah we get the like i just mentioned the gears 5s yeah we'll get a come back like Sea of Thieves. We'll get some nice hi-fi rush kind of games. But when are we going to mm-hmm. get the the massive whale of a game? Yeah. The game that makes you like, yeah, you 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 have to get an Xbox for this. Like this is why I have the Series X. Like the the, the thing that shows your console is worth getting. Yeah. Rather than you being like, why did I spend 3 to 500 dollars on this? And while it's not perfect across the board. It's not like 100% of people are loving Starfield. Yeah. That said, you look at the numbers, it is clear as day that this has been, like I said, a clear win for Microsoft and for Bethesda. It has been a pretty good console seller. It's been good for Game Pass. I, I, I know we said it before, but this is definitely the kind of win that Phil Spencer needed. This was, this was the thing that's like, hey, all that money we've been shelling out, the billions of dollars, it is worth it, and here's proof. So I'm just like, okay. So me as an Xbox fan, all right, I got something to root for. I, I can get excited. You, you're showing me that you guys do actually care about video games and not just accessories. Okay, I'm, I'm excited again. And for PlayStation people out there, we already know that PlayStation can make great games. We've been seeing it oh, with yeah. Marvel Spider-Man 2. God of War, God of War, Last Ragnarok, of Last of yeah. Us, depending on who you are, The Last of Us too. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, even, uh, what was that zombie biker game that they had? Days Gone, which has had a resurgence in popularity over the past year or two. Xbox is getting to the point, hopefully, it's where we expect this annually out of them. Yes. That's what we're getting to, hopefully. With PlayStation Nintendo, I already expect great games. Now, with Nintendo, it's not annually. <laughs> At least for me. It's the mainline <laughs> Mario and Zelda games. That's about it. And Sony? I expect something out of them annually. Oh, man. I, I expect so many good things from a Sony-backed studio. Yeah. Which, I know it's, it's kind of sucks because you're just like, oh, no. If your game isn't like the pinnacle of gaming <laughs> and, you know, Sony's hyping you up, yeah, I'm going to be mad. So that's where, like, why are we talking about Xbox so positively about this? Because they kind of earned it, man. They've been through it. Yeah, we've been waiting. 
they've been through it, man. And I think Xbox players have earned it. Like they've been sent through, I don't want to say garbage, but they've been sent through a lot of mid to yeah. decent games for years and years. And to have this game come along that one last time I'll say it, maybe not is for everybody, but it's clear that a lot of people are really loving this game. And there's a lot here. And and it's and it's weird because it used to be uh as soon as an Xbox console launched, you got excited because you have Halo, you have Forza, you you had gears down the line. Like you looked forward to those. And the past generation, this generation, it's just been I just hope this game doesn't suck. It feels like it's been killing off those franchises. And not in like Xbox is killing them off on purpose. It's just <laughs> yeah. As the generations go on it feels like people are wanting something. I don't want to say something. Yeah, I guess something different. The, the new IPs, you know, even even Nintendo's releasing new IPs. It's just like, hey, man, okay. Well, Nintendo has the, staying the, power. Yeah, that they've always been able to keep for some miraculous reason that I'm sure that they've been very on top of. Okay, I can actually tell you why Nintendo uh, has that staying power. Uh, they actually give one. They give their uh developers time to develop the game, and two, they focus on making games fun and entertaining. They're not thinking of making it a powerhouse game, and you know, thinking of oh man, we could spend we could spend uh we could spin this into a movie and comics and yada yada yada. Uh, instead, they're like, is the game fun? Let's make the game fun. Let's be entertaining. Uh, what what's new thing? What new things can we do? They build their consoles on being innovative and different uh, and i think that's why nintendo has staying power because you're always thinking what can nintendo do next like what more can nintendo do oh man their handhelds they went from 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 black and greenish gray to color they went from color to uh more sustainable uh handheld they went from 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 uh the advanced to the sp where it actually folded uh okay what can they do next with handhelds Oh man, they made the DS. Oh man, they made the 3DS where you don't need the glasses. So for Nintendo, they have staying power because you look forward to what creative thing they're going to do next. Well, let's go ahead and get out of here, Michael. Let's talk about what we've been playing. So, what are you playing? Myself, I have actually been playing the open beta for The First Descendant. Uh, That's actually been pretty decent. I've also been playing a game called Golf vs. Zombies. Which isn't as fun. It's uh, actually a very well. I'll talk about that when I get close to review. Uh, but it hasn't been that great for me. Uh, but we'll talk about that at a later date. What about you, Taylor? What have you been working? Uh, what have you been working on? Or what have you been playing? I guess. <laughs> My answer is going to be a little obvious here. I've been playing some Starfield. Oh man! No more Destiny for you. No more Destiny for me. It is all Starfield all the time. So, <laughs> this game's awesome. And we talked about it in our Deep Dive episode. It's a great game. Yeah, yeah, we I ended up restarting my character. I don't know if I mentioned that in my uh, thoughts on the in Deep Dive episode. Your Deep Dive, dive you did. Okay. Yeah, so I ended up having the traits I wanted, the background I wanted. I'm trying to get as many skills as I can. I'm trying to really level up before I take on all the faction missions. Because I'm doing the uh-huh. UC one right now, and it's really good. But on the last one I did, it was like, hey, uh, you're facing off against like level 20-something enemies. I'm sitting here at like a level 10. So I'm supposed to go to Londinian, 
which if you played the game, seems like a pretty dangerous place. So I'm going to want to get as many legendary weapons and armor and everything as possible. Uh, yeah. But it's been pretty fun. Played through the Manus mission too, which was really fun. I don't know if you've done that yet. Uh, no, not yet. It's crazy. Absolutely. Like, the armor for it, I'm just going to go ahead and spoil you on this. The armor is great, but it looks like dog shit. <laughs> I hate when they do that. I f- no, I, I'm 100% convinced. And I'm so sorry if somebody at Bethesda legit thought it looked great. Maybe it does to some people. Maybe it's just my taste. I'm not trying to put you down. Maybe it is just me. But when I saw that, I thought, okay, so Bethesda intentionally designed something poorly. So it has great stats, but it looks bad. So early game players can do this mission, get a great piece of gear and a ship. And yeah, it just, it doesn't look great. (laughs) Which I got hats off to you. But let's go ahead and get out of here, Michael. We've wasted enough time. What are you working on, and where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, or X, as it's called now, uh, at M underscore, M-O-S-L-E-Y underscore J-R. What about you, Taylor? What are you working on other than this podcast, and where can we find you? Well, I'm not working on too much other than these podcasts. You can find me in our Discord, the link for which is in the description of this episode. Chat with us on about your thoughts on the Xbox leaks. What are your thoughts on the Division 3 getting announced? On Starfield, we'd love to hear from you. Um, lastly, I do want to say, check out thenerdstash.com for all sorts of news in the world of gaming, movies, television, and so much more. We just had a site redesign. It looks slick. It looks beautiful, if I don't say so myself. So be sure to check it out and see it for yourself. I want to thank Michael for joining me. I want to thank anyone for listening in. We will be back next week with a brand new episode.